This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme and with a weather forecast like that with some heavy showers expected later on in the day, it certainly is a day to stay at home and that's what the general advice is for all of us to stay at home as much as possible so when you get bad weather like that it doesn't even feel so bad uh, being stuck indoors. And actually talking about staying indoors, the listener has said Hi Trish, an old age pensioner that I know wants to go to pick up his pension on Friday from the post office. He listens to you every day on the radio. I told him it's a little bit early for him to be going out and about and it simply isn't safe. Would you please give a simple yes or no answer should he go along and pick up his pension? Well if you go by the guidelines that have been issued by the government and by the health experts we're still asking people over the age of 70 who are cocooning to remain and stay indoors as much as possible. The older people now and yesterday was the first day they were allowed to go out for a bit of exercise stay within the five kilometres but I'll be talking about it in a minute. You can go out and exercise, but they're saying to people, don't interact. They're saying to people, don't stop, for example, and have a a chat with any of your friends, even though I... I think if you meet up with some of your friends when you're out if you keep two metres away you can stop and have a quick chat I don't think I would be going so far as the government has, has said to people and the health advisors are saying you know don't stand and talk to anyone I think you can have a quick chat with somebody but keep that two metres apart but it is recommended that people who are cocooning should avoid the shops and avoiding the shops also means avoiding the post office. So what I would say to that gentleman is, you are right, whoever has sent that text in, it probably is a little bit too early yet. I have, and I went through it in great detail yesterday afternoon and I'll take a look at it and if we can get to do a piece uh, on air later on I will. I've gone through the roadmap the different phases, the different stages and if there's an appetite for it I'll go through some of it later on in the programme. But for example on cocooning um, from uh, when we get to the second phase which is from the 8th of June they're saying that shops will provide dedicated hours for those who are cocooning people over the age of 70 and those who are medically vulnerable now with strict obviously social distancing and they're also saying things like uh, gloves will be made available and shoppers should ideally uh, wear face masks so that's going to come in from the 8th of June so that's just about a month away so to that old age pension and I know he's probably desperate to go to the post office and meet up with everyone but just hold off because it's all been done to keep you safe and to keep others safe we don't want people getting sick we don't want you picking up COVID-19 and we don't want you ending up in hospital so just hold off if you can please John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls at 1850 if there's anything you want to share with us today or if you want to text or WhatsApp you can to 0862103103 and let's try and kick off taking a look at what's in the papers today about COVID-19 with some good news I'm always trying to provide a little bit of the good news and the number of new cases of COVID-19 fell yesterday to the lowest level in over a month and that certainly has to be welcomed. The figures of new cases yesterday 211 new cases were reported and that's I'm told is the lowest figure that has been recorded since the 29th of March. The new cases now being the total number of confirmed cases of COVID-19 to to just under 22,000. So that's a little bit of good news and also lab capacity for testing COVID-19 samples now stands at 84,000 a week and according to Dr Gillian de Gascoigne 
everything is looking good in terms of reaching that target of 100,000 tests a week by March 18th. The majority of the tests being performed in the community. He says have been turned around in two to four days and that was a significant improvement in performance over the last two weeks. I mean, only yesterday we had somebody who was waiting over two weeks for test results. So anybody now getting tested, they're having a turnaround of two to four days, which certainly is good news. And we need to get to that almost magical number. It became mythical at one stage of 100,000 tests a week. If we are to properly reopen the country and stick to this roadmap for reopening society and business that has been uh, printed now and it's there in black and white by the government. And if we want it to run according to plan or even for it to speed up a little bit, then we need testing and we need everybody to keep up social distancing and everyone to abide by the rules and the regulations and the suggestions that are being put forward. So that certainly is some good news. I mean, uh, and in the midst of all of that good news, then you have the very sad news that another 23 people have lost their lives due to a COVID-19. 1,339 lives have now been lost and behind each of those deaths, uh, a family and a family hugely, hugely grieving. It's just such an awful, awful virus and the sooner that we get a vaccine and we get this behind us and we can talk in the past about the pandemic that reached our shores certainly uh, the better. And then to wear a mask or not to wear a mask, that is the question. Public health advice on face covering was removed from the government's road map for reopening the country. Now it seems the National Public Health Emergency Team, NEFET, they recommended publishing guidelines for wearing face covering in the community. And they were looking to do that in the second phase, which would have been on the 8th of June, when more businesses and cocooners are allowed out more. However, the recommendation was deleted from the final version of the government's road map. The government now say any decision on face covering will be based on guidance. So they're going to kind of look at it again. In phase one, which is the one that will start on May the 18th, Neffet advises that the government should develop guidance for wearing a face covering in the community and have regard to the need for medical grade masks by healthcare workers. This was also removed from the published version of the plan. The Taoiseach has suggested that the public may be asked to wear face coverings to help stop the spread of the virus. But there are concerns that a recommendation on face covering may result in panic buying and then that could lead to fewer masks being available for frontline health workers. Health officials are working on guidelines and these will be published in the coming weeks. And I have always felt that that's one of the reasons that the government are not coming out and saying that when we're all out in public we should wear the masks because they're fearful that there will be a run on the masks that are available and we know that we've been having problems with the PPE gear. We know there hasn't been enough. There seems to be enough in the country now. But the fear is if everybody started rushing out saying, oh, I need to buy the masks, I can't go out without the masks, that then suddenly healthcare workers who desperately need them wouldn't be able to get them. But surely there's ways around that because so many people now are making their own masks. So many fantastic groups of sewists are volunteering and making masks. And for the general population, if we were asked to wear masks, they wouldn't have to be the medical grade ones. We wouldn't have to go out and buy them. I mean, you could you could simply 
all of us at home would have a scarf that you could use that you could put around your mouth covering. A mask doesn't necessarily have to be something that you put on your face and clip over your ears. It could be a a scarf, it could be a bandana. Anything that if we were asked to do it when you're out in public that covers your nose and your mouth would be very workable. So I don't know why they don't go down that route of saying, okay, everyone when you're out in public, you need to wear a mask. It doesn't have to be a medical grade one. doesn't even have to be a disposable one. You can, you know, make one yourself uh, at home. Or we could get all of those wonderful ladies and gentlemen who are good with sewing machines to start making an abundance of them and and shops locally uh, could start even selling them. And I actually had an email in from somebody who says, please keep my name private, which is fine, to say the Czech Republic have a population of roughly 10 million people. They've been wearing face masks and they made it compulsory from the very beginning of the coronavirus outbreak. And their death toll stands at just 252. Isn't there a lesson to be learnt there, says this listener? Compare that with Ireland's population of roughly 5 million, give or take. And we now have a figure of over 1,300 deaths. I think the Irish government need to look further afield when dispensing advice. I wear a mask, says this listener, every time I go outdoors. And I feel very comfortable when passing people. It is not possible to overtake people on a footpath and to be two metres apart when you're out walking, as most of our footpaths are only one metre in with uh, anyway, you're sincerely. And remember, you wear a mask. A mask doesn't give you any additional protection from picking up COVID-19 but it certainly stops you infecting anybody else if you happen to have COVID-19 and you don't have the symptoms yet and you're not aware that you have it by you wearing the mask you're stopping the droplets coming from your mouth and affecting somebody else so the wearing of, of masks is a very kind act because you're protecting other people not necessarily protecting yourself and then there's the, the whole argument and discussion around the wearing of masks in the taking on and putting on of the masks and that's actually how you can infect yourself if you don't do that properly. So you do need to be very, very careful if you are using masks out in a public. And staying on masks, the National Bus and Rail Union, they're insisting that masks should be compulsory for all public transport passengers as the country comes out of the lockdown. The NBRU are also calling for temperature testing for frontline transport workers when the restrictions are lifted after May the 18th. It said those with high temperatures, for example, should be sent home without losing any pay while they await a test uh, result. But they feel that everyone, when the country starts to come out of this lockdown, that everybody getting on a bus or a train should be wearing a mask. And if you look to other countries that are opening up ahead of us. It's one of the things that they insist on, certainly on public transport, that everybody is asked to wear. And you can't get on to public transport in many other countries unless you are wearing a mask. That is not that is not what is being advised here. But they do tell us, the government say, we will be issuing further guidance on when and where people should wear face masks in the first few days, which will be well in advance of the 18th of May. So it will be very interesting to see, will they include 
if you're on public transport you have to wear a mask or if you're going out shopping you will have to wear a mask we're going to have to wait and see uh, on what happens on that one and another kind of a good news when you're going through the papers trying to find the good news ones a blanket ban on non-COVID related surgeries now that was introduced at the start of the nationwide lockdown has now been lifted the National Public Health Emergency Team decided hospitals can now return to taking non-elective surgery appointments it'll be up to individual hospitals hospitals, by the way, to decide how many cases they can actually take. Hospital waiting lists have been rising steadily during the coronavirus crisis. It's just something we haven't been focusing on or talking about. We had lengthy waiting lists before the coronavirus crisis. Then we stopped all elective surgeries. So those waiting lists are still there. And then people who would have been added to the list since. So that's certainly the waiting lists are even higher than what they were before the uh, crisis. So that's a bit of good news. People are going to get start getting called in for non-elective surgeries. My only concern around that, you will have some people who will be afraid to go into hospital. I've heard more people discuss that and say God I'd hate to be getting sick in the middle of the coronavirus uh, crisis. We know we've heard of people who are for example not even contacting or going anywhere near their GP with any kind of symptoms because they're fearful of being told you need to go into hospital. People don't want to go into hospital. There are other people who I think will knock the door down to get in to get into hospital because there are people waiting on the non-elective surgeries who are in pain, for example, people that need hip operations, people that need uh, knee replacement surgery, people that need cataract surgery done. You know, there's a lot of procedures that people are waiting and will say, yeah, let me into the hospital. I need to be seen. But there will also be a group of people who will be nervous about it and fearful that by going into hospital they may pick up uh, COVID-19. And more people, by the way, now are also eligible for testing for the coronavirus. GPs have been informed yesterday that the criteria for testing has been now widened. Testing will no longer be contained to the at-risk priority group, which is what it has been to date, but it will now include people who have a potential symptom of the virus and all you need to do is have one of the symptoms so that can be a sudden cough it can be a fever or it can be shortness of a breath and if you contact the doctor with any of those symptoms you don't have to be in an at-risk group now you will be sent forward for a COVID-19 test with the good news is that Dr Gillian de Gascoigne telling us turnaround is between two and four days. So that certainly is a bit of a good news. Can I go to quickly just to get to some of our emails that came in? And my apologies that I didn't get to these yesterday. And this is to do with going back to school. And we know it got announced on Friday that schools now will not reopen until next September. So at least people now know that's what's happening. That's that has now been uh, put in place. But there's been mixed reaction to it. You have some children thrilled at the idea they have the longest summer holiday ever. You have some parents moaning about the idea of continuing with homeschooling. A lot of parents are under a lot of pressure uh, with the homeschooling. And then you have that little cohort of students and there's probably about 60,000 maybe odd so it's not, they're not that little a group 
the, the young students who are in sixth class and who are going on into first year and suddenly without any notice their school days their primary school days are, are over and there is that rite of passage of leaving primary school and heading on into secondary school and I really really do feel for that group of uh, students and I was hoping and, and I just speaking out loud yesterday said I would love the idea that if some of the schools individually and it will be up to individual schools could maybe organise something organise some kind of a day or an afternoon or a morning where the students could come back in and do all the social distancing keep two metres apart and just have some kind of a goodbye amongst themselves because okay for some of the students they'll go on into secondary school and their mates that they started junior infants with will walk through the school gates with them in secondary school but that won't happen for every single student there will be some students who will never again get to be with as a group those students that they went through all of primary school with so that prompted somebody I love this it signed a caring auntie to say my nephew is in sixth class and he feels very lost and upset that he will not have an opportunity to say goodbye to his school friends. It's an important farewell for him as he will be the only boy in his class going to his post-primary school. In addition, he's the only boy in the family so he doesn't have any support from Big Brother either. I like the idea that you suggested yesterday of having sixth class children meet up just even once as a way of having a little time together before moving on. And as I say, that was sent in by a caring auntie and we certainly will. We are hoping to do something with the National Council the National Parents Council Primary Section to see if there's anything that can be done particularly for those sixth class students and then uh, because of course the junior cert we now know has been completely uh, cancelled leaving cert by the way is still up in the air if you read the papers uh, today that still hasn't been set in stone as to what's going to happen with the uh, leaving cert but this is from a junior cert uh, student Connor Hi Patricia I'm a junior cert student and since the 13th of March I have had to do home schooling it hasn't helped me at all as I haven't learned anything and to be honest I'm very tired in the evening from staring at the phone screen all day I agree with what you said on the radio there that schools are better off to open in September instead of the junior cert we are getting an hour long test at the end of May and that will account for 20% of our marks the other 80% will come from past Christmas and summer exams. I'm listening to your show since the schools have closed and it's been so helpful and positive. And that says kind regards Connor and Cooks down to says P.S. you can read out the email on air. Thanks. I'll try and contribute more in the future to what you're talking about. Isn't that great? Nice to have young listeners along. Thank you for that Connor, and continue to contribute. And of course that came in by email to Patricia at c103.ie and I think for a lot of students the secondary school students who are doing their very best. They're trying to do the home uh, schooling but some are finding it very, very difficult uh, indeed. 1850 333 103 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls like Connor. You can email the programme Patricia at c103.ie People commenting on masks and to wear masks or not to wear masks. Somebody says Patricia how often do you change a face mask if it's not uh, washable? See this is where the big argument where the they're the disposable ones. If you go into anybody inside in a hospital, anyone with PPE gear, they'll say they're single use. You use them once on a patient, they take them off and then they move on. That's obviously if they're dealing with somebody uh, with uh, COVID-19. 
it's really hard to know if you're just wearing it out and about going you know to the shops or going out for your walk do you just use it the once and then when you go come home dispose uh, of it I, I don't know you see that's where I think if we get to the stage where the government decides that they are going to recommend that people wear face masks that's where a lot of the advice will come in on the type of mask and how if it is a washable one for example how often should you wash it and somebody else says, says people can just go out and buy a box of masks but the problem there and it's one of the reasons why they reckon that the government have been slow to say to everybody you need to wear masks out in, possible, uh, out in public they are fearful that there will be a rush on masks there will be panic buying we saw what happened with panic buying with something as silly as toilet rolls at the start of the pandemic and if there's panic buying, then it makes uh, the fewer masks available for those in the front line and those that really need them. And so there's always been that fear and that's happened in other countries as well. So we need to make sure that we have a good supply of masks in this country before they make the decision to say, yes, everyone needs to wear them out in public. Somebody else says you can make your own good masks online. If you go to YouTube or Facebook, there is loads of patterns. And if you're anyway good with a needle and thread and a sewing machine, you'll be able to run up masks no problem at home. Somebody else says on the wearing of masks why not have masks made in your county colours? We could have the Cork ones, the Dublin ones, the Kerry ones, the Tipperary ones. You can make them in Munster rugby. You can make them in your club colours and it's something perhaps that could even spread to the United Kingdom to the soccer clubs. You know if you were a Man United fan or you were a Chelsea fan or a Liverpool fan you could have a mask. And actually one of the masks that Eileen sent us in from Mill Street was one that had been made out, had been made from the material I imagine that was used for Manchester United for the making of curtains, you know, in a little boys or girls Man United room, or maybe it came from an old duvet cover, but it was definitely Man United. It had the Man United logo on it. So yeah, it's a great suggestion and people then could be wearing their colours on their face mask. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Court today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Fon Sawalcha. Let's see 103. Ta COVID nidig an shut in Erin agus kamwits fanax o walia kun wits fein agus akela akusens. Macha hantu dolamach kun bia no kugasa all. Fan ga vader er alive o guina ella. Bigi olav la lista shupadorachta agus na big brazal. Matatur dolamon akliach de tevamwe fan of oskilt ga kilometer den balia. Big ni the lav nis minica le galunach agasishke. Na big lagan laver de edan agus mata kasach no sneefer dagat dene ide ilen. Mata tu oskan Fachto fan Somali an Tamer Fad. Kamala Dini a well rock lies a dull dough if la father. Come with the leg a fanak Somalia agus beans a dacker lena pasti. Ach nadine darma gulak galore ruddy spreel the den of low. Tear ash quigna bun ruddy. Kasula alina, cardiacht agus mirna mari. Fan savolte, fan Somalia. La hai tila olish. Fan lin er C103. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor, Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. The agri-food sector and the food supply chain to the supermarket shelf are all open and fit for purpose within the context of taking the appropriate uh, measures where possible to prevent the spread of the virus. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold's Post Calver Gold, a trusted partner for your peace of mind across the breeding season. Only on C103. 
It's important to you to know where your food comes from. Isn't it just as important to know where your information comes from? It's not always easy to verify what you see, read or hear. But now there's help. Visit www.bemediasmart.ie Stop. Think. Check. Be Media Smart. Brought to you by Media Literacy Ireland. Supported by your local radio station. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, according to the government's roadmap to ease restrictions, pubs are due to reopen in phase five, which as it stands would be August 10th at the earliest. The Vintners Federation of Ireland are urging the government to push forward that reopening date and to discuss this further. I'm joined by Michael O'Donovan, who's chair of the Cork branch of the Vintners Federation of uh, Ireland. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Now, were you and your members very disappointed to hear the Taoiseach say August 10th for pubs to reopen? Um, I suppose, look, some members uh, were disappointed with it. Um, look, I suppose the um, the current climate of social distancing, be you a restaurant or a cafe or a bar, um, we'll all have to operate under the same guidelines so it was disappointing to see that, say, our colleagues in restaurants and cafes would be on June the 29th date in phase three, but the publicans would be left until phase five when we'd have to operate under similar guidelines. So in that aspect, that was a bit disappointing. And I'm assuming that would include some of your members who would have a restaurant and a bar. Uh, yes, uh, like some of them would have restaurant certificates and obviously their bar license. So it was a, uh, it was look, it was very disappointing for them to to be left until August tenth, uh, as I said, when other aspects of the hospitality industry could open on June the twenty ninth. Now, along with the Licensed Vintners Association, your federation have come up with guidelines that you believe could work, which would allow you to open up at the same time as the cafes? Yes, look, these are, I suppose, um, we're living in a new uh, a new world now for this period where social distancing will be with us. So under the guise of having social distancing and physical distancing, um, we came up with proposals that we think are probably, unfortunately, they're probably the least worst uh, uh, aspects, you know, um, if you take them. Um, they're probably giving publicans and restaurateurs uh, guidelines to work within parameters to try and get open together on June the 29th, if that's possible. And you're looking at things like um, table service only, for example? Yeah, look, there's table service and I suppose uh, one that's, um, I suppose, even for the public, getting their head around this is difficult. So you've, like it's probably even harder for us as bars, you know, there'll be no standing at the bars, there'll be no sitting at the bars or ordering at the counter, uh, payments at the counter, you know, you'll be seated, you'll be served at the at the table. But like uh, I know a lot of these proposals um, will be quite difficult for a lot of bars to implement. And I suppose, look, the, the one thing that I would say, it will be quite, um, I suppose there'll be a lot of bars will be having to work out themselves, will it be viable to open under these circumstances? Because I suppose we'll, the day you'll open your door, your costs will kick in and like I'd say, your your revenue uh, will be down 60-70%. So yeah. it's... Um, I mean, and there therein lies the problem. I mean, there will be some pubs that it simply won't be economically viable for them to open. Yes, I, I would say there'll be uh, a vast uh, 
uh, number of pubs that it will be, uh, it just won't be viable. Look, in, in my own instance, uh, working it out, I think I could have about 16 people in the bar. Um, but like when you add in your, your costs, like yeah. my rates, your insurance, your water charges, you'll have your lighting, your heating, your Sky television will kick back in because you'll be open and you'll want to have uh, the, the television to entertain them with matches and things. Um, and like if you have 16 people in the bar, even if you had 16 people from the time you open to the time you close, it just wouldn't be economically viable to do that. And I also saw one of the one of your suggestions would be no live music or DJs. Now that will affect some businesses. I mean, I saw uh, Ray Blackwell of, of Debarras and Clan saying, you know, how could they open without music? Yeah, look, it, I suppose that's taken from the World Health Organization proposals for hospitality sec- sector for reopening. So, like. Um, uh, for if we, while we start, it will be I suppose um, it would be difficult to have live music and DJs playing in any venue. But as we would progress, and if the infection rate uh, isn't there, hopefully um, these aspects could be looked at and reviewed and introduced slowly back into the uh, sector. But I think for a start, just to get open, these are the proposals to try and get the bars open. Um, I know, look, it, it won't suit all. It's it's very unfortunate in that, but I suppose we have to start with baby steps and work our way through. And hopefully, look, uh, as we go along, we will start getting back to some sort of uh, normality and life as we did know it will come back sooner, hopefully, rather than later. The smoking areas, would they prove tricky as well, Michael? Yes, look, uh, there's been, uh, people have been asking, you know, should the smoking areas be, be made non-smoking? But look, I think, Bars have invested big into the smoking areas. Um, so, look, I suppose each one would have to look at that individually. Yeah. But um, it, you, I suppose it would be very difficult to make a sector-wide call on that. That would have to be done on a premises-by-premises basis. As, as look, no, There's no two premises the same. There's no two bars the same. So they, each one would have to look at that individually. OK, one of our listeners by text uh, is, uh, is your... Your guest, our guest is uh, Michael O'Donovan of the Cork Branch of the Fitness Federation, worried that some customers may never return to the local pub. People seem to be getting very comfortable with drinking at home these days. Yes, look, it, it will be a challenge for the sector. I, uh, I, I accept that. But look, I suppose the pub creates an environment and it's kind of the heart of the community. Um, it always has been. And, and look, I think once we pass this pandemic, it will come back to that as well. So while people... Uh, at home, they might meet one friend or two friends, have them over when, when the time is right under the restrictions. But look, you can't replace the atmosphere no. of the bar and no. going out and socialising. And look, the bar is where events take place. You know, there's celebrations there. And there's, you know, uh, uh, community activities take place in the bars. So look, we will get back to it. But it's just, I suppose, it's paused for the time being. And uh, and we will get there in the future. OK, and you've put these detailed proposals uh, together, as I mentioned, uh, with the Licensed Vintners Federation. Have you heard anything back from, from the government about your plans? Well, um, I, there, there was a meeting yesterday uh, between our CEO and other hospitality representatives with Brendan Griffin and Shane Ross. Yeah. Uh, they listened to the proposals, but... Um, as of yet, we haven't heard anything concrete okay. back yet from, from them. 
And we do know, and it was stated when the government announced the roadmap for reopening society and business and when Leo expanded more on it on the late late on Friday night. I mean, it's not set in stone, those dates. I mean, if the figures continue and we had the good news that yesterday we had the lowest number of new COVID-19 cases, lowest level in, in over a month. If we continue, that date can get moved forward. Yes, look, uh, even uh, the Health Minister, Simon Harris, um, said that at, on Friday night at his press conference. Like, if um, if groups did come with proposals, they'd be listened to. And, um, look, the, the roadmap, it's not set in stone. There is a possibility of movement in it. So that's what we're hoping for. And, look, we're just hoping to give give those publicans that will have the chance of opening to give them that opportunity. And, look, we totally understand that for maybe a majority of publicans, this will not be viable to open um, but then we will have to get, you know, help from the government and see what's on the table to help those publicans uh, that won't be able to open. So uh, this the, the document really and proposals are for discussion with the government and see where we go from here. OK. Sheila says, if there isn't going to be any live music or DJs in a pub, would we be able to sing a song? <laughs> I, I would hope so well <laughs> on to provide so that they're a good singer <laughs> that's very important All right, this is the end of the night and we're trying to clear it ok <laughs> listen Michael we'll talk again thank you for that and stay safe and thanks for joining us thanks Patricia good thank morning you. to you bye bye Michael O'Donovan there who is chair of the Cork branch of the Vintners Federation doing all that they can uh, to try to get the pubs open sooner rather than later as of now according to the roadmap they won't reopen until August 10th 1850 Cork Today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Incorrect information or fake news about COVID-19 can be harmful to all of us. False stories about potential treatments or new restrictions only create divisions and distrust. If fake news is shared, it can risk reducing the effectiveness of efforts made so far. It can have real and damaging consequences on all the work being done to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Before you press share, think, is it from a trusted source? Can you fact check the information with the World Health Organization? Is it a joke? Are other sites reporting this? What are their Sources. Fake news is out there and it's everybody's job to check and question the information they receive before passing it on to someone else, no matter how well intended it is. Think before you share. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. The one great thing that has surfaced during the COVID-19 crisis is the community support that's available, especially to those who are cocooning. So this morning to talk to us about what is available through the Avenue Blackwater Partnership is Mary Allen, who is the Community Connect Coordinator. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, Patricia. Mary, are you worried about how loneliness is affecting people, particularly those who are cocooning and maybe cocooning on their own? Well, yes, I suppose um, it's been going on for a while. Um, Yes, we would have people who are anxious, they're lonely, they're bored, uh, but more so for people who are on on their own, as you say. Um, Hopefully that the, the, the changes in the regulations are going to make a little bit of a difference, but... Quite often, a lot of people who are on their own are on their own most of the time anyway, wherever they're living. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But but you have a friendly call service. Uh, Tell me a little bit about that. Now, our friendly call service started back uh, 13 years ago and uh, we would have built up a lot of um, 
uh, names over those years. And because we have so many aspects to our programme, I suppose, we'd have a lot of people that would have touched, a lot of mostly older people, who would have touched our programme for different reasons. And at the moment, we have about 1,450, 1,500 people that have received a call over the last six, six weeks. A lot of them will actually want regular calls from here on. Um, and, you know, all staff, volunteers are making these calls and they're very what, so, so they get a phone call a couple of times a week, maybe? They get Most people will get a phone call once a week. Once a week. If they request a, a phone call more often, they get that. And what, it's, what, it's, what would people, what, what will you talk to them about? Well, it, the first thing I suppose at the moment is uh, how are you getting on during your cocooning time? Yeah. Uh, do you have any needs? Um, what's your situation? Have you support? Uh, do you need anything delivered? You know, all the questions that I suppose we'd be asking our own parents. Yeah, they, yeah. You know. And and in some cases, Mary, are you saying the call might be the only call they get? Well, in some, for some people it is. Wow. For some people. But an awful lot of people have support. An awful lot of people have family support and that is great. It's lovely to see it. Um, and it's, we're delighted when we hear it because it means it's another person we don't have to, you know, I suppose I would say worry about, but like, you know, that we know that there is somebody there for them. And we're also hearing, Mary, how neighbours are proving to be absolutely invaluable. Yes, they are. They are too. Neighbours are brilliant. And I suppose at a time like this, we see what our communities are like. That's it. They have come out in, in their reams, really, to help people. And everybody's tripping over themselves nearly to help people, you know. <laughs> it's, it's the point that we're always trying to get across to somebody who is cocooning or somebody who is maybe yes. feeling a bit isolated and on their own to reach yes. out. Some people find it hard to reach out. Um, they do, really. Um, I, suppose, I suppose the big thing about this really is um, people lose their independence. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. fearful of losing their independence. And uh, and having to call somebody for something, it might mean their message to themselves is, "I'm going to be dependent on somebody." I and know, I know, that's hard. Yeah, and that and that is hard. Now, you also are involved with organising the personal monitored alarms. Just remind listeners about these, and there has been changes the way people apply. Yes, um, since this COVID uh, virus came in, um, people have contacted us and said you can. Uh, Take your applications over the phone okay. and later send out the application form and people will just sign it up and send it back to us. But the process is, is started immediately once they make the phone call. I process the application form. And these monitored alarms are really, really are invaluable um, because we had one lady recently and her mum fell on the floor. Uh, she damaged her hip very badly and she did. Uh, she could see the button, but she wasn't wearing the button. Oh. So and that's an important message hours. this morning that anyone that has one of those yes. buttons, yes, you can wear it true. around your neck or there's wrist ones, isn't there? You, yes, you'll, you'll have a choice, either or. Um, and I suppose like for a lot of people, maybe there's a lot of families who are living away from home and they're concerned about the parents, but once they know that they have the monitored alarm, it is a real safeguard for them, you know. Yeah, but hanging um, on the back of the bedroom doors of no use to them. Yeah, that was the thing that probably happened years ago too. You know, people are far more conscious of it now. Great. Um, and they don't see it as kind of an age thing, really, yeah, wearing yeah. the button, you know. It just keeps um, you safe. It does, it does. And it's more important to be safe than to be uh, cool, I suppose. <laughs> so if somebody needs one, um, how do they contact you, Mary? They just phone my, my phone number. You have it there, I say, Patricia. I do indeed. 
085-106-8789. And you're for um, what, what area do you cover? I, well, at this stage now, I can cover any place in County Cork. Oh, can you? A, Brilliant. A lot, yes, yeah. Brilliant. A lot of people, uh, a lot of um, communities, they might not be registered with public to supply these. And okay. So those, you're supplying them. Uh, yeah. Um, we okay. don't turn anybody away. All right. Listen, we wish you good luck with it and stay safe, Mary, and c- keep up the great work that you're doing. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Mary Allen, who is with the Avondale Blackwater Partnership, the Community Connect Coordinator. We need to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. Cork Today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can I just pick up, um, we were speaking with Mary Allen from the Avenue Blackwater Partnership. Now she's somebody who was on my apologies because they came in just at the close of the interview but I have asked John Paul to call Mary back to find out. Listener wants to know, is the handyman service available from the Avenue Blackwater Partnership Obviously, with social distancing, a lot of those services have been put on hold. But we're going to check back in with Mary and we'll get back to you on it. But then I had a lovely text in to say my husband and I are in our 70s and we're cocooning. And we've used the handyman service with the Avenue Blackwater um, Partnership. Also, the personal alarms from Mary that Mary was talking about on the programme. We are very pleased and we also got a call recently checking in to see if we were all right and if we needed anything and reminding us to check our alarms. And when we rang the alarm company, they were so kind. We felt really cared for. Doing well in cocooning. Glad to be able to get out for a walk now. God bless. Love your programme. And that's from Margaret and Joe. What a gorgeous, positive text. Well done, uh, Margaret and Joe. And the cocooning won't be going on for much longer. Stay safe. That's what it's all about. And I'm so thrilled to hear that you're feeling cared for because that really is what this is all about. And I think that service that Mary has spoke about, the friendly call service to, to say to people, please reach out. There are so many people there uh, willing to help. And actually that, uh, while Mary was on, Declan Hurley from John Manway says, Patricia, listening to your show, you might give this a plug as you're having a discussion. We have a similar service in John Manway and it's the John Manway and Area Comfort uh, Line. It's a volunteer-led telephone service which takes calls from older and isolated members of the community living in and around the Damanway area who may be anxious or may be seeking information or simply just want to have a chat with somebody and it's D D comfort line love that so that's the Damanway and area comfort line and the number is 023 8856818 for anybody in the Dumanway area. And once again, I can't overemphasize that enough, saying to people to please reach out. There are so many people with time on their hands at the moment as well, people who've been temporarily laid off, and they're only too 
thrilled to get involved in trying to help people out in, in any kind of volunteering way that they can. And we love doing our bit here at the radio trying to help people out. And actually last week, Tony and Donnerell had contacted us because he was looking for a mobile phone. His mobile phone broke just as the pandemic arrived and he couldn't get into the phone shop to get it fixed. So he was looking for, he said, I don't want a smartphone or anything like that, just a normal bog standard mobile phone that he could put his SIM card into that could just keep him in contact with people. You know, he was waiting on calls from the doctor or if he needed to ring someone or somebody needed to ring him. So we put the call out on the radio last week to see, did anybody have an old phone at home that was still working that they would be willing to pass on to us so that we could get it, pass it on to uh, Tony. And I have to say, as soon as I mentioned it, we had a number of calls in from people only too willing to help out. But it was Mary in Ballingiri who was one of the people who contacted us and she had a very kind offer because she had a brand new phone that was never used and she said more than willing to pass it on to Tony. But as Mary in Ballingiri was cocooning and Tony in Donnerell was cocooning, we had a problem trying to get the phone from Ballingiri to uh, Donnerell. So, What did our Mary do? She passed the phone on to a member of her family who then popped it in the post to Tony and Tony got back onto us to say he has received the phone and he's popped in his SIM card. He's able to make calls to friends. He's able to make calls to his medical team and he was on to us to say would you ever please say a huge, huge thank you to Mary in Ballangiri for doing such a lovely act of kindness. So Mary in Ballangiri, if you're listening, Tony's back up and running with the phone and he really, really does appreciate your kindness. Well done to you, Mary. And best wishes to both of you as you are cocooning. Okay, and Mary Allen, we've just got back on to Mary Allen of the Avenue Blackwater partnership to say the handyman operation is still on, but it's just for outdoor work only. Okay, so I I don't, somebody contacted us, I don't know what type of work they need doing, but if it's something outside that the handyman doesn't need to enter your house because of people cocooning and because of social distancing and all of that feel free to contact Avenue Blackwater Partnership and they will be able to uh, sort you out. What else is coming into us by way of help and advice Margaret Inrathmore has been on to us to say she has a friend that I'm assuming she's helping out a 91 year old lady who needs to see a chiropodist but her normal chiropodist isn't working and all of the chiropodists in the area appear to be closed at the moment so Margaret is saying anybody got any suggestion of how this 91 year old woman can get to a chiropodist the woman also is in need of a or he, sorry, my apologies, it's a gentleman. Sorry, a gentleman. He's also in need of a pair of size 11 slip-on shoes. Does anybody know where or how she can get the slip-on shoes for him? We had a shoe shop on Kirby's, wasn't it, in, in Balancholic, and they were doing an over-the-phone service, uh, Margaret. So I, I assume in Rathmore, if you contact your local shoe shop, explain what you're looking for. They're normally, they're either doing a kind of a click and collect service or they'll post them out to you. So I don't know what your nearest shoe shop in Rathmore is, but if you put a call through and a lot of them are doing it online, they're doing it through Facebook, etc. And, and we're reminding people that when you're in need of something, a lot of us just straight away jump on. I know, sure, I'll be able to buy it online. Sure, isn't Amazon a great, great thing? But rather than going straight away to somebody like Amazon, and well, Amazon's a great com- company, nothing against it. Try and see if there is a local shop offering a postal service. You will be surprised at the number of shops who, even though they're closed, their shop isn't open, but they're adapting 
and they are supplying people through either either through a click and collect service or they're doing it through post or, or courier. So I would try that, Margaret, but you can't obviously do that with the chiropodist. Does anybody know the Rathmore, that general area, where can this gentleman go? He needs to see a chiropodist, 1850 333 103. And then Darren was on to us wondering, was there any rebate on the fees for junior certificate students who obviously now are not doing their exams? We got on to Citizens Information who say, that the State Examination State examin, Examinations Commission uh, say that obviously students do not have to pay examination fees and many had not paid it yet. If people had already paid it, you will get a refund. I think a lot of the schools were starting to collect the fees or, or had plans to collect it before the Easter break or just after the Easter break. So they hadn't actually collected it. But if you have already paid it and if the schools have already sent it on to the State Examinations Commission, you will be getting a refund. And somebody else looking for advice is Donal. And this is something that I have to say, I don't know a lot about because it's, it's prepay power. And I don't, other than I know prepay power works like topping up a mobile phone But other than that, I don't know a lot about it. But Donald has discovered something and he's just wondering, has it happened to anybody else? He has prepay power. And he says, if you switch your electricity off at the mains with prepay power, he was unaware of this, it's still eating away at the top up. He he has worked out that it's roughly about a euro a day. And how he's discovered it is he has a home place that isn't occupied and the home place has prepaid power. Nobody in it at the moment, so they switched off the electricity and then Donald checked to discover that his credit has been eaten away and he's wondering, are others aware of this and does it happen with all, because there's a couple of different, isn't there, uh, prepaid power. I imagine it's some kind of a standing charge, is it? Because you know with all of the other electricity providers for houses like that that remain uh, empty, they get charged, people are always complaining to us about a low usage charge. If they don't use enough electricity, they get charged for it. So I imagine, Donald, it's something similar to that. It's either a low usage charge or it's some kind of a standing order. But just to make people aware of it, you do need to keep money in your prepaid account or as soon as you put the money in, it'll be eaten away by what looks works out at roughly about a euro a day. You might be better off, Donald, looking at getting rid of the prepaid power and maybe going with one of the other utility providers, it may work out uh, cheaper for you. 1850-333-103. Vincent says it's absolutely vile to hear that people are spitting uh, in the faces of members of Angarda Siakona. They should be automatically jailed for such an event. What kind of people do we have in this country that they could be doing something like that? Send them to jail immediately is what it's assault isn't it I mean today it's assault I mean if you if a person has COVID-19 and they're coughing or, or spitting at a member of Angarda Siakona and technically could pass on COVID-19 to that member of Angarda Siakona and nobody knows what way the COVID-19 is going to affect that person I mean it could kill them or they could bring it home and it could kill a vulnerable fa- family member it's shocking absolutely shocking jail is what where Vincent feels they should go now, we had a lot of 
talk over the Maybank holiday weekend about Agarda Siakona being out and about stopping people in cars and we of course all across last week were encouraging people not to go near your holiday homes stay where you are the time will come when all of our tourist areas will reopen and people will welcome you back with open arms and people in West Cork certainly coming up to and around the Easter Bank holiday weekend we're very nervous about people bringing COVID-19 into their areas we know and we nobody's allowed out onto the islands because we're trying to keep all of the residents out on the islands. They're almost cocooning themselves, but we're trying to keep all of them safe so we don't want people going out onto the islands. Uh, but certainly we don't want people visiting holiday homes while the pandemic is ongoing. Now, Mary said that she heard a story over the weekend of a couple and their three children who live up the country, but they have a holiday home in West Cork. So they decided to get in the car and they drove down to the holiday home. But they drove with an empty car. So if they were stopped by the Gardaí, they wouldn't have everything but the kitchen sink, which is a dead giveaway that you're going away to your holiday home. So when they got then to their holiday home, what they had done was a courier the day before had dropped off bicycles and their clothes and their suitcases and whatever else they needed to the holiday home. And then early on the Saturday morning, the father was seen cycling into the local uh, shop. Mary says she must admit the guards did a great job. But when you have people doing a really COVID operation like that just to get to their holiday home. But the only thing is everybody locally will know what they have done and and. They mightn't get the friendliest of reception from local people because local people, obviously, if you've all of that detail, local people are very aware as to what they have done. But, you know, all we can do is ask people and advise people to stick by the rules and regulations and, and hope that those that don't, that they get cut out by the Gardaí or the Gardaí stop them and the Gardaí encourage them then uh, to go back home and, and they can make them turn around. But you'll always get people who will find their own way around any rules and regulations or anything that's done uh, to keep us safe. And Michael is on about and and we have this on our news this morning I know we mentioned it yesterday, this story that shocked uh, a lot of people and it was a coronavirus outbreak on a vessel that landed in Castletown Bear. It was a French flagged Spanish-owned fishing vessel that landed in Castletown Bear about 11 days ago and it turned out was that eight members of the staff have been diagnosed as COVID-19 positive. Michael says from Castletown Bear There is a cult of ignorance in Ireland and there always has been. The strain of anti-intellectualism has been a constant thread winding its way through our political and cultural life nurtured by a false notion that democracy means that my ignorance is just as good as your knowledge. We might get away with it for a while but sooner or later our combustible mixture of ignorance and power will blow up in our face. Just look at the fishing port of Castle Tambert. Why is it not headline on radio and TV news bulletins right across Europe allowing Spanish and French trawlers their catches to come ashore presently when we are in the grip of one of the worst pandemics to hit pandemics to hit not only Ireland but the world in this century. The country should now immediately close all ports 
to foreign trawlers landing for the duration of this pandemic in the national interest. Prime reason being that a French trawler was arrested in Spain after unloading her catch in Castletown Bear, having a crew member or members testing positive for COVID-19. We, the people of this peninsula and our fishermen, are being shoved down a rabbit hole with the feeling of being lied to and by the lack of critical thinking skills to decipher truth from misinformation. Castletown Bear should demand the immediate closure of the port for the duration of the pandemic. If not, then people power should do what successive governments have failed to do. Thank you, Eunice, from Michael in Castletown Bear. And a lot of people in Castletown Bear, I imagine, shocked to hear that news. Now, I know the skipper of the trawler said that none of the crew had come ashore. Did they come ashore? You know, can he 100% say that they didn't come ashore and please God they didn't bring any COVID-19 to out onto the Bear Peninsula. But yes, I can understand your frustration and your worry for sure. And then someone else says, John says, Patricia, why are there still two flights from Cork to London every day? London is a hot sp- spot for COVID-19. Is it, pos- it's, it is possible to book these flights online? Surely that is madness, says John. And they have been operating. It's the only flight out of Cork and it doesn't, both flights, by the way, don't run Every day. For example, today, there is the Aer Lingus flight to London Heathrow this afternoon at four o'clock. That's the only flight the Aer Lingus are operating out of Cork. And then there's the Ryanair flight to Stansted, which is at 20 to 7 uh, tonight. But then tomorrow, the only the Aer Lingus flight is operating. The Ryanair one isn't. So it, what, the Ryanair one isn't. So I don't know how many times a week the Ryanair one is operating. And I know the Aer Lingus one, as far as I know, doesn't run every day of the week. But that is to keep connectivity. We were told we can't close the airports. We need to keep. There's people who want to come back home. There's the repatriation of people. We were also told that it's used by businesses. If we need, for example, to get an expert in. One of the examples that was used to me when I looked into it before was if we need to get an expert in from somewhere in the United Kingdom who needs to come over to Cork for anywhere in Munster to fix, say, a piece of medical equipment, something that's needed at a hospital and the only engineer that's based is an engineer that's based in London or somewhere else in England, we need to keep those flights uh, opened. So we will never fully close the airports, but it is the only flight and I don't think there's many people on the flight every day different kettle of fish to what was being reported out of Belfast, that Belfast to Heathrow flight. That was incredible that that flight was full. Now it has been exposed, thankfully it's been exposed and because it's been exposed now, Aer Lingus are now putting on two flights. Obviously if there's a need for people, I don't know why, to travel between Belfast and London, then we need to do our best to try to social distance them even though I did hear an expert yesterday say even allowing on the bigger planes with the three seats in a row, even allowing that they only sell the window seat and the aisle seat and leave the middle seat free. You're still not two metres away from the people in front of you or the people behind you. So that I think is flights and international flights are always going to be an issue and I think will continue to be an issue possibly until we get a vaccine and we are a long way away from that. Somebody says this is on the wearing of masks. You can get washable masks on the lower Glanmire Road. I don't know what the name of the shop is but thank you for somebody sending in that detail to us. And someone else says Patricia, Minister Simon Coveney fought hard to bring people 
from virus-stricken countries without any follow-up. They were allowed to roam free. And after the infection, people visibly here in this country, it was older people that never travelled that are being uh, locked uh, up. We should have stopped people. Oh, that's back to the argument. We should have stopped people coming into this country and we should have stopped it uh, sooner. 1850-333-103. I knew there was one other I wanted to get that mentioned Minister Michael Go- Minister Simon Harris it is. Sorry. Here it is. Um, Patricia, Simon Harris is congratulating all of us for conforming to the government rules as it has saved thousands of lives. It's now time for the government to help save thousands more by releasing the results of tests for COVID-19, but do it within 24 hours. Focusing on quarantine, quarantining passengers arriving in hotel accommodation near the airport and making the wearing of masks in public compulsory. Masks have helped to contain the risk of infection in numerous countries who've adopted the trend. Why are we not doing it here? Nobody wants to see a second peak and we need to do all in our power to prevent it happening. Yeah, we're all in this together and we have saved lives. Each and every one of us have saved lives by sticking to the rules and regulations and, and by doing staying at home and doing everything that we've been told uh, to do. So I think certainly we're getting closer on the testing. I thought Dr Gillian de Gascoigne with the 84,000, we're going to get it up to the 100,000 by the 18th of May. They're now saying two to four days. I think you're right. I'd love to see real-time testing that you would have it. I would allow them 24 hours. I mean, if I'd have real-time testing, I'd have it on the same day, but I'd even allow 24 hours that if you get tested. Nine o'clock today, you'll have a test result by nine o'clock uh, tomorrow morning and then you can contact trace anyone that you've been with and they likewise can have their results back within uh, 24 hours. And it's kind of a little bit like we're all playing ball we need to make sure that that side of the operation because that's how we will open up this country is when we have the proper testing in place. So thank you for your WhatsApp to 086. I 100% agree with you. 0862103103. C103 Jobs. Part-time health assistant with QQI Level 5 is required for Kilmallock, while a motor vehicle technician is required to work in the Cork City area and a loading shovel is that meant to be, it says shovel but I'm sure it's shovel driver is wanted for a construction site in Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103 with Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. The Chihuahua store is delivering by drone. Order online and leave out a full basin for next day delivery. Radio paints a picture, tells a story and delivers a message. C103 is here to inform and entertain during this difficult time. Many Cork businesses are still open and need to talk to their customers. We can help. Even with social distancing, we produce and broadcast radio ads safely every day. At C103, it's business as usual. So you can get back to business. Whether it's Chihuahua drone delivery or simple cost-effective advertising solutions, email us today, sales at c103.ie or see our website. No Chihuahuas were hurt in the making of this, produced purely with sound effects and the power of radio. With C103.
And thank you to Avril. This is in reference to the lady who contacted us who's helping out a 91-year-old man in Rathmore. Uh, we still haven't sorted out a chiropodist yet, but the, the gentleman is looking for shoes, slip-on shoes. And Avril said that Walsh's Shoe Shop in Killarney are doing an online service and then postal delivery. OK, so that's Walsh's Shoe Shop in Killarney. Thank you for that. And that will be cl- closest to them in Rathmore. Now, yesterday, the Irish exam Examiner published details of a report from IRD Duhallow showing how many elderly people feel that they are a burden on society and many are fearful of dying alone. Maura Walsh is the manager of IRD Duhallow and uh, she joins me. Good morning to you, Maura. Good morning, Patricia. Maura, I have to say this was a heartbreaking headline uh, and a heartbreaking read yesterday. Are elderly people, are they terrified of contracting COVID-19? Would you believe? Yes and no. I I think what it has done is that it has made mortality, I suppose it has put mortality to the fore. Um, I think a lot of the older people are a bit more stoic. They they probably see the end game a bit closer and more in focus than the rest of us who might be going blissfully by thinking we live forever. But I think what it has done is that some of maybe some of the headlines, some of the stuff they're hearing and and they are listening a lot to it. They, maybe the options that the rest of us would have to switch off and go to something else, they, they're tuned in a lot to the news. So when they hear things like, you know, 31 or 41 or whatever many people died today, and but the mean age, the ah. average age was 80, and yeah. a lot of them had underlying conditions, as if that was somehow acceptable. Yeah, as if that was OK. It was only that lot. That's what's getting to them, I think. Yeah, it took us us a while to kind of get to this report was actually just done for our board. You know, we hadn't actually intended on doing a big report, but just to keep the board informed and to look at what strategies we need to have ourselves going forward, because we're ringing about, I think, 640 people is what was on our call list when we did this report. I think it's tipped over 700 at this stage because we are getting some of the alone referrals and because we're affiliated to alone for a long time. And we have also the, you know, the people we would have fitted, monitored alarms for people that are already on our Your list and that you'd be aware of, yeah. And Maura, dying alone, a real concern for, for, and I suppose when we all, when we all stop and think about it, it's something none of us want. No, absolutely, Mac, absolutely not. And, you know, when we think of, of happy deaths, you know, and, and you'll hear, like I'm thinking of my own father, you know, we were all around his bed, mom, yeah. leading the prayers and the rest of us, you know, we yeah. were all there. Um, and, you know, that is the kind of thing that I, I think, in, you know, when he did he kind of look around before the final departure, yeah, I, I, it was consoling for us and I'm sure it was for him. My brother the same. And that's just now going in my own experience. Yeah, yeah. And we, we can all, everyone can identify that. And and, so and, and we would often talk about that. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, if you can have a happy death or yeah. a peaceful death. or yes. And sure, he or she yeah. was surrounded, surrounded by all in the, the people there. In the bosom yeah, of the family. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, redefining family. Like when does a brother or a sister cease to become family? Yeah. You know, when is it only the spouse and children of your brother or your sister? We, you know, at what stage did the rest of us get? And we probably, we never, you know, our own families, our own sisters and brothers are our own sisters and brothers, regardless of age. And I think that photograph that was on where the oh. poor man was standing on the bench looking in the window at his sister, mother of God, oh. you know. So you could imagine how that 
you know, because when I was looking at, when the girls were telling me what they were hearing, and I was going through it, I said, you know, it's no wonder, because these pictures were coming back in my mind as well. So it is very hard, and they are, and the big worry, and it, it didn't get printed, but the big worry about the dying alone as well was that they would die without getting less rights. I, I know, and I, heard, I yeah, I heard of yeah. I heard of a, a man in Dublin who had had to get the light, last rites over the phone because he was in yeah. ICU in yeah. in a hospital in Dublin, and yeah. his his family knew how yeah. important it was to mm-hmm. him, so they put the priest on the phone and put the phone up to this dying man's ear, and I just thought, oh my God, what have we? Yeah. This, this is what this pandemic ha- has done. We do death and dying so well in this yeah. country. And, and it's important. It is important. And somebody said to me recently, you know, that the fallout fall from COVID and, you know, the billions that we'll be in debt again and blah, blah, blah. And we were kind of going on that line. And he said, well, you know, there'll be fallout from the pandemic, but there'll be fallout from the cure as well. Mm. And, I, you know, I'd be kind of pondering that and I said, you know, damn right, there will be fallout from the cure. Yeah, yeah. That we didn't, you know, maybe anticipate, but we need to maybe plan for that now. And Maura, the the other thing that troubled me about the report was older people feeling they're a burden on society. And I don't want yeah. anyone to think they're a burden yeah. on society. Yeah, absolutely, young or old, but I, I, like, would you blame them again? It's, uh, we've been told we have to do all this to protect our older people. We have to do this and this to protect our older people. You can't visit your mother to protect her. You can't, you know. And certainly, I'm I'm not rubbishing it by any manner of means. But I think we've taken it beyond the nth degree. I think that while it, this COVID has brought out an awful lot of good and an awful lot of brilliant volunteers and brilliant giving and, you know, support, it has, always, it has also brought out a bit of nastiness. Like, I've heard comments myself, like in supermarkets, um, somebody reached, I was in the supermarket and I was reaching, I was getting yoghurt, and of course I had to put on the glasses, take off the glasses, read which was Greek style and which wasn't, and no, it was a special order, of course, from home. So I'm I'm there reading it and trying to figure which one, and somebody had was just a bit down for me, and she was picking whatever. And somebody else reached in, knowing what they needed, and just took it off the shelf and walked away. Well, you're a woman. Get back from me, get away. And I thought, oh my God, you know, we need to go back to basics. Somebody reaching for something momentarily by you is not a COVID risk, unless they sneeze on top of you at the same time. It's not a COVID risk. And And don't be shouting at him. Get back yourself. And then if somebody even had COVID-19, it's up to you to keep your hands washed and make sure exactly. you, do, you don't put your and, hands into your mouth or in your eyes. And stands beside you and the queue passes by you and you, you're not comfortable, step back. But please don't start lording it. It's, there's a small bit of Aryan race. Uh, you have it and I don't want to get it off of you. Think kind of sleep seeping the one, the one, so no wonder all the people feel The that one that got to me last week was a, a call in from a woman who was in a supermarket who said somebody managed to get the last slice pan or something on, on yeah. the same day and had it in her trolley and somebody robbed it out of her trolley. When she got to the checkout, she realised it was gone and that somebody, when her back was turned, somebody, I mean, would you be that stuck for a slice, man? Would you be well? Would you be well? I know there's a bit of sense, common sense has to come in. But I do think, um, you know, there there are supports there at the moment for older people and they are in focus. And I would like to see that continue. My fear is 
the last time we had a crisis in this country, which was after the 2008 bank crash, uh, you know, there were the new rounds of social inclusion and funding for social inclusion came in. And basically the places that had the highest populations of older people, like ourselves here and indeed West Cork and North Cork, um, we, got the, we got the most savage cuts because what they were looking at, what the, the only thing they were counting were the unemployed, get people back to work, unemployed, get people back to work. Older people weren't even listed on the, the list for social inclusion. They were not economically active or viable. I would never again want to see that happen. Yeah. I really wouldn't know. Um, now that there is a bit of focus on, I think we need to keep that focus. Uh, I think there are a lot of services that could be, and some of there are, and a lot that should be continued. Um, you know, maybe the friendly shopping thing is something that should be extended, and I know the local super values have done a huge job in, you know, upping their deliveries out as well, which is important. Out to rural areas, not just around the towns. Things like the community laundry that's going on, they could happen everywhere if groups like us, Evan Dubelli Howard, were supported. That whole social enterprise side yeah, of Yeah, we, we, we keep people independent in their own homes for Yeah. Long. And actually on that with the, the independence, when I, when I was speaking with Mary Allen, just coincidentally she was on in the last hour from, from Avondoo, yes. she was talking about that in some cases the cocooning is people feel their independence has been taken away and I've just seen a text in from a listener saying Hi Patricia um, I welcomed my sister-in-law back after cocooning yesterday her answer was I never felt old before this but now suddenly I'm feeling old this lady is extremely fit she does yoga golf walking clubs etc and some people stuck to the letter of the law of the cocooning they really really did and I really admire them but they were afraid to and and you see it wasn't even the, the letter of the law like you know there, there was no law that said no you know but we somehow society imposed it on them and they felt it was being imposed on them and they felt they couldn't even walk down the field on their own which wasn't imposed but it was imposed on them it wasn't the law but I do think the ones that that are least coping are the ones that maybe had the good pensions had very active did bridge on the Tuesday night, did the midweek break with Super Value, did the, you know, yeah. did all these, visited older people. And all of a sudden, they find themselves at home and no one can visit them. And the shopping has to be left up in the pillar and the Easter egg left up in the gate. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they all of it, like, so no wonder they feel old for the first time. You know, when yeah. they have been, but please God, there will be, you know, that we will be able to. Ah, uh, listen, there's light the at the end of the tunnel. Retired. People are yeah. getting out now, and this is the, this this is yeah. the start of it. Yeah. And actually, somebody says many people who are, are cocooning can't get out to the post office. Some are worried yeah. about their pension. Yeah. Uh, would you give them a bit of reassurance, please? Their money is safe, and the law will be good. And it is. I know some people yeah. are getting their pension cut by somebody else, but it will be there. The There'll be no. There for them. There's it's, no one going to say it's. It's, more a, than it's a little weeks. saving for them. It's a little yeah. saving for them when, when, when they do get yeah. um, back out. Do you think the cocooning rules were too strict? I, I do. I think that, the, well, the interpretation that was allowed to develop was too strict in my book. Like, I, I can't imagine, you know, it, it, it's, it's fine, yes, there, there is mum or dad or auntie, whoever, and, and she's at home with her, her, let's say they're happy, two of them together, we, we, we take the sentiment out of it. And that I can call, but I can't go in and change the blanket for her. I can't take the bloody duvet cover off. Like, that was taking it too far. Mm. I think that should have been done, should still be done. Certainly, 
wear the gloves, wear the mask, tie up your hair, shower before you go, shower after you come back, whatever it takes. But I would hate to think that you'd say, oh, shut the door, put yellow tape across it and leave her inside. That isn't right either. I think I think as a society we took it too far ourselves. And I think, you know, there, there are ways that you could visit and call in without, you know, risking them or risking yourself. Now, in some families, it's done on a rota, which is brilliant, and my own family included. I haven't visited my mother since into February, which is awful. But I I know that there are five in my family nearby. One stays with her every night. She has, she has the support. And I think that needs to happen. And some of us can say, look, I won't, there's no need of me going there. I don't have to put my baby in. Because others are doing it, but it wasn't there weren't yeah. five siblings living near her. Yeah. I would be back there. And and I, I don't know what it would take to put me out, but I would be back there. I would leave. <laughs> there be no you stopping know. you. There'd yeah, be no and there are and people, people there that. are people living in opposite ends of the country and because of the I, travel yeah. restriction and they in can't. the and you know what's heartbreaking yeah. are the grandparents who can't see the yeah. grandchildren. Oh sure. I we have it here one of my own board member has had two grandchildren, one literally at the other end of the field. And she can't, she hasn't told either of her children, she mm. can't talk her daughters and say, well, John, you're a mummy, you know, that's, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and I do think it's, it's gone a bit, you know, there has to be, there has to, and I'd rather, I'd rather the, the health board and the medical people, rather than pushing the one brush fits all, I'd rather them look at, and rather than say lockdown and then tomorrow open the gate all out, you know, like the sucky calves running around the field long ago when they were left out for the first time, you're, there has to be some bit of a phased in and there has to be a loosening of within family, you know, within close family circles anyway, that, you know, there are ways of protecting. There, you, you just can't, this is not a disease that you breathe on someone, you have to spit it on them basically, sneeze it or talk it or whatever. And there's ways of protecting them and yeah, there's ways yeah. of protecting ourselves. Oh well, yeah, you know, I've been saying it from the start, loneliness is going to kill more people than COVID-19. The cure, the cure could yeah. be worse than the disease. Mary Amalo says, well done to Maura Walsh on what she's saying and speaking up for the over 70s. In hospitals, they've been referred to as bed blockers, which was also so, so wrong. The issue needs to be raised and it is great to hear somebody raising it and speaking up for us. So, And, and you know, another thing, there are old people that I know of who badly need to be in a hospital, you know, that are end-of-life situations, um, you know, with cancer and whatever else. And they can't get in now because we're told, oh, the hospital is shut down for COVID, the hospital, the local hospital can't take, we've no beds, it's all COVID. Like, that's wrong too. Yeah. You know, they, you know, people will, will die of other things and, and have, you know, very, they could have a much better, let's say, end-of-life experience Um you know, if, if if that were open. So that's another thing that we need to maybe yeah, talk about as fi- well sometimes. Phil, Phil in Duhalo says, what about us who no longer have our home helps calling yeah. anymore? I know, Patricia, you mentioned it yesterday on, on the programme, but nobody's really calling, speaking up on behalf of us. There are people who are going without their home helps because the home helps have been suspended. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah. And I know you can appeal that because I know Sean Sherlock was saying that if anybody uh, needed to appeal that decision. So please, I, I say to people, if you really are struggling without a home help, 
help pick up the phone and, and try to do something about it. Uh, Maura, a pleasure as always uh, to talk to you. Keep fighting, you, the, keep fighting the good fight, which I know you're doing. <laughs> and there will be better, brighter days for all of us. Listen, you mind yourself. Thank you. Take care. God bless. Bye bye. That is uh, Maura Walsh of um, IRD. Uh, do a hollow. I'm going to see a lot of people saying, well done uh, to Maura uh, speaking up. So many people need to speak up for those of us that are cocooning, who feel that they're voiceless. They really do. And in fairness to Joe Heffernan, yesterday I think Joe Heffernan, we got a big reaction to Joe Heffernan on the programme as well because he's cocooning and he was very annoyed when he heard that they were only allowed out for a walk and wouldn't be allowed to go to the shops. And by the way, just to let people know, for those that are cocooning and counting down the days and who are um, being very good about the restrictions and abiding by all the rules and regulations, come phase two, which is on the 8th of June. And where are we today? We are on the 6th of May. So just about a month away, about a month away. Uh, cocooning. Shops will provide dedicated hours for those who are cocooning. People over the age of 70, those who are medically vulnerable with strict social distancing. Also, from the 6th, the 8th of June, those who are cocooning can have a small number of visitors to their home. The visitors will be required to wear gloves and face coverings gloves, face coverings and keep at least two metres away from the person but at least you can have somebody call. Now that's going to be tricky if you're going to start allowing grandchildren into the house. Try telling uh, a much loved grandchild that they can't, can't hug granny or granddad. I think we could have a bit of a problem on that one. But anyway that's what they're talking about and that's going to come in on phase two which is on the 9th the 8th of June 1850 333 103 lines open Court today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103 UV40 I'm well loved and, and well respected a daily brain twister. I just wanted to give the answer there for that, um... That thingy. Yes. It's an honour to play George Ezra. It's an absolute pleasure. And COVID-19 updates. It will take some time for our lives to get back to normal, but it will happen. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. The World Health Organization has now upgraded the coronavirus to a worldwide pandemic. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We had somebody looking for a chiropodist. Catherine was on to say that if somebody is in need of a chiropody service, you are to ring your local community hospital and they will help to put you in touch with somebody. They're only taking emergency appointments. Okay, that's for the listener who's looking after the 91-year-old in Rathmore. Contact your local community hospital and they should be able to sort that gentleman out. Thank you, Catherine, for that information. And can anybody help 
us with someone, and I'm aware this text is gone. Somebody is looking for a dental appointment. Hi, uh, Patricia, wondering if anybody knows if there's a dentist open in Mallow in Mill Street or the Newmarket area. Wow, somebody is desperate that they're willing to travel. Mallow, Mill Street and Newmarket. I know the last time we looked for a dental appointment in Mallow, did somebody tell us that the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre licensed dentists would take an emergency appointment, but I'm not sure if that was a, a few weeks ago. So if anybody can help us, Mallow, Mill Street or Newmarket, if anybody knows of a dentist working, uh, please, 1850-333-103. You continue to get your gardening questions in because Peter Dowdrell joins us uh, later on on the programme. But I want to talk to a group of paramedics, four in total. They're from the National Ambulance Service base in Mill Street and they've decided to shave their heads. Pat Larkin is one of the said same paramedics and he joins me. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pat. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very good. And John Paul tells me two shaved, two to go. Yeah, two, two down and two to go now, Patricia. Now, where, uh, are, where are you? I, I'm in Mill Street at the moment. No, but uh, are, yeah, are yeah. you are you done or just to Oh, jeez, no, no. I'm kind of holding out there. I was, <laughs> I was, I was telling the lads that I came up with it on April 1st, uh, which was Fool's Day, and uh, well, they're after starting it now, and, and there's no getting out of it now, I'd say. But, are you going yeah. to be last to get the head shaved? Uh, I'll be, yeah, myself and Peter are going to do it later on. They'll probably do it tonight, yeah. OK, yeah. so uh, who's yeah. who's the two that are now bald? Do- Donald, Donald and Padge are, are bald, yeah. Padge is like your man uh, from Father Ted with the I Shot JR t-shirt. <laughs> I, can pi- I can picture it already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what does Donald look like? Donald looks like a local ser- serial killer, like, oh. so... Uh, <laughs> there's, there's, there's pictures on the GoFundMe page and if anyone wants to see them but they're not pretty but anyway OK take us back and tell us why you're doing this yeah I suppose Patricia look um, it all stemmed from an idea just just with us with work and everything uh, Peter has uh, fairly long hair and he decided that would, would he cut it or shave it and you know just for hygienic reasons and, and so he kind of said it to me and I, I, I work with Peter all the time and I said, we kind of said, look, will we just do it for charity? And, and we said, look, we, we will. And, and the other two lads came on board and there had been a few more in the base come on board too, but they haven't got a lot of hair to give. But anyway, um, so we just said we'd try and raise a few quid for charity. And, you know, we just picked four charities. Which are? And the four charities are the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind, um, Mary Mount Hospice, um, Cork Penny Dinners and Crumlin's Children's Hospital. So it's kind of a good mixture of local and national charities. You know, they're they're all fantastic charities. All and doing amazing work. Oh, unbelievable. And, like, they're crying out for, for funding at they the moment. Are. Same with every charity, I suppose. But they're so, so happy to just get a bit of recognition and just anything, you know, like any, any, any ones that we, we've spoken to. They're just delighted with anything they can get, you know. So, yeah, um, and we and we forget how effective charities are. I mean, all the fundraising events are all gone, and yet these charities and the work that they do continues. I mean, the likes of Marymount Hospice more than ever, their work is continuing. Cork Penny Dinners have probably never been busy. The Irish Guide Dogs for the for the Blind need to keep training those dogs in order to give visually impaired people some kind of independence. And Crumlinsey Children's Hospital, they're all was busy so, you know what I mean and they need so anything extra that we can give them we need to do it now more than ever Oh yeah I mean like th- these charities all would have had big fundraisers based around now 
and you know they're all kind of put on hold and again they're just depending on on things like this you know and just you know smaller donations they don't have that big big massive one that they used to have which was their you know their big fundraiser for the year so again you know i suppose look we're just looking for anyone that can give any bit of support it's great and and you know I suppose, look, to us, it was a bit of a morale booster and just to create a bit of team spirit and positivity and a bit of a laugh and things, you know. Well so, done, well done. And it's, yeah, a GoFund, yeah. it's, it's a GoFundMe page you set up with an initial target to raise a 1,000 for each of the charities, wasn't it? You were hoping for 4,000. Yeah, yeah, kind of, Eric, at the start, it was a couple of hundred quid, but <laughs> then we said 4,000, but now we're kind of, we're gone well beyond that. And, uh, it's so brilliant. We'll try and get as much as we can from because they're they're great. You know, they're all super charities. So well done. And who's doing the actual shaving? They're, we're kind of doing it ourselves. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> oh God, that's, of, this is again, getting even worse. Was worse. Yeah. We're kind of fellas <laughs> holding mirrors behind us and all that because we're just trying to keep socially distance okay, as well. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, they're kind of bot jobs. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Look, I, I, as I said, I, I'll definitely be going back to my own here just when this is all done. I, I, you know, I won't be doing taking this on board all the time. But uh, it's yeah, sure. Look, it, it's it's great. We're just my advice to anyone who goes for that shaved he- head look. You need to have a nice shaped head to start with. Do, would you describe yourself as having a nice shaped Jesus, head? No, I, <laughs> I, I, I dread. I just can't. That's my biggest worry. You now is I, I say I have an awful wonky head. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about that now. No, 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 you're bored with that. You're bored with that. Yeah, Listen, yeah, it's yeah. it's fantastic what you're doing and people can see evidence of it on the GoFundMe page. Yeah, so you could just go on and, and just check out the pictures if they, if they do, just do a Google search for Mill Street Ambulance Brave the Shave uh, GoFundMe page and, you know, look, we'd appreciate every bit of donation they can and there's a few pictures and videos and, you know, well they're, they're, some of them are quite funny. Like, so it's well done. Worth, worth to look well at well anyway. done. You're, you're a great bunch. Are you busy at the moment? Pat, yeah, what's sure, look, it's, like anything, uh, all frontline services at the moment, you know, it's tough and, and you know, the days are long. But look, we're we're all in it, I suppose, together and we're all in it 100%. 100% and, and I suppose it, it's great. Uh, I mean, particularly in the ambulance service, I just think we're so proud of, of reacted and, and um, just mobilised and, and we've took on the challenge and you know it's great but like all frontline services are the same and you know we're all I suppose delighted to have a job and, and not everyone has a job in the current climate so we're just you know we're just doing the best we can you yeah. know so and it's great This too will pass and we will get through it oh, And your hair will grow back Pat one day Yeah Jesus, I hope so anyway <laughs> I don't know I could be at the age now where yeah, hopefully. <laughs> it will, it will, yeah. it will. Listen, yeah. best of luck to each and every one of you, uh, to yourself, to Peter, uh, to Porrick and uh, to Donald. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme. Absolutely, Patricia. Thanks a million for your support. No You've problem. No problem. Good bye-bye. afternoon bye-bye. to you. Bye-bye. 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 Pat Larkin, one of the Mill Street Ambulance guys who are braving the shave. Just go to the GoFundMe page. Those are four great uh, charities and it's uh, terrific to see what people are doing. They, they really are. And they, you know, they're guys who are working flat out as it is and taking time out to think of other charities. Uh, uh, huge, huge, huge respect for those guys. OK, thank you to Marion from Moy to, this is about the dentist, to say O'Mara's Dental Practice in Formoy. They're open mornings from half nine to half twelve. There's about ten minutes left to the initial 
WhatsApper who's looking for a dentist, you have to ring them first and they kind of like triage you over the phone. They'll chat with you to see if you do need to come in or not, even though I think if you've got a toothache and anyone who's ever put up with a toothache will know you'll go to any length at all to get to see a dentist. So there's one that we certainly know that is open morning times, Omara's Dental Practice, and that is in Formoy. 1850 Quickly to look down through some of your WhatsApps that are coming in. Keep the gardening questions coming in for Peter, please. They're coming in hot and heavy, though, I have to say. Uh, good morning, Patricia. Hoping you can enlighten me on the following. This is with reference to the French slash Spanish fishing boat, boat that landed their fish in Castle Tambert and then it turned out subsequently that I think it was eight members of the crew were diagnosed uh, COVID-19 possible po- positive. Are there rules for all boats entering a port that they have to fly a flag showing that they are virus free or a different colour flag if they have virus on board. And if they have virus on board, they're not allowed to enter and they're not allowed to land their catch. There must be someone responsible for making sure these rules are carried out. Was this not a case in Castletown Bear. Have we not got any customs officers checking our ports? Thanking you in anticipation. Okay. Firstly, when that boat landed... It was about two weeks ago. The It was a Franco-Spanish fishing trawler. Landed its catch in Castletown Bear and then they headed back out again. And it was on, as they were leaving, as they were heading back to Spain, a crew member started complaining of feeling sick on the journey from Ireland to Spain. That person subsequently tested positive for COVID-19. All of the rest of the 15 crew on board uh, all had to go into quarantine then and have precautionary tests done. And more than half, I think it was eight, tested positive for COVID-19. And by the way, thankfully, all the crew members are expected to make a full uh, recovery. But they didn't... the, The... The first who got the symptoms and subsequently all the eight of the 15-man crew, none of them knew that they had COVID-19 when they brought and landed their catch in Castletown Bear, which just shows you how dangerous COVID-19 is. You can be walking around with full and not have any symptoms at all and then suddenly become very unwell. Or as we've heard with with, uh, some people... They don't get. They have COVID nineteen, but they never never get symptoms. So it wasn't a case that this Spanish trawler pulled into Castelbar knowing that eight members of the crew had COVID-19 but it's causing huge upset and worry uh, certainly down in Castletown Bear. As for your suggestion that you'd fly a flag saying you've COVID-19 should, should nobody nobody would be going anywhere if you've got COVID-19 on board you're, you, all of your crew are in isolation nobody goes to sea with somebody knowingly on board with uh, COVID-19. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 086 103103 also coming in to us that's on the dentist with that one uh, sorted so many whatsapps trying to get through as many of them as possible uh, Mary says uh, Patricia just on a good news story amid all of the doom and the gloom that's going on in uh, at the moment and how the Irish are supporting a GoFundMe page for the Navajo Native Red Indians in repayment for the help we received from the Choctaw tribe during the famine. I thought it was such a touching gesture. Do you know something? And actually I know John Paul is working on, we're trying to find out and do more on this story. I just think this is one I mentioned this actually yesterday, but it's one of the stories that most made me uh, smile. I think it's just wonderful. It shows our wonderful generosity in this country. And I thought it was great that the person who was organising, the Native American Indian who was organising this GoFundMe page 
over in America couldn't understand why they started getting a glut of donations from Ireland. They couldn't understand it because obviously they set it up and they were hoping that Americans and Native American Indians in America and people from all over the world who perhaps ancestry with Native American Indians would donate and they could not get over when they started seeing all of this money coming in from Cork from Cork and further feeding from Ireland and then of course they started to hear the story behind it because they were unaware of it and some of the messages that came in you know from uh, Ireland, from Ireland like one person sent on a donation and said kindness not forgotten from Ireland uh, stay safe and people referenced the fact then that the reason they were doing it was you showed solidarity to us your people showed solidarity to us we're here for you now and it is Absolutely, it's a gorgeous story. As I say, we are hoping to do more on it because in particular, it's a story that I'm always touched by and anyone that's been to Middleton will know that there is that wonderful sculpture, uh, Kindred Spirits, isn't that what it's called? It's the nine, seven metre high eagle feathers reaching towards the sky and they're arranged in a circular shape and it actually represents a bowl filled with food and being offered to those suffering from uh, hunger. It was erected in Middleton. When was it put up back in... I don't know how many years ago it was put up, but it's a stunning piece. It's an absolutely stunning piece. And that's in memory. And to say thank you to the, it was the Choctaw Indians who sent over the aid to to our forefathers when they were dying of starvation because of famine. So it is wonderful that we are in a position in this country that we can give something back and we can say thank you. And even though there are people struggling in this country, we're not going to forget those who once helped us back, helped us out back in the 1800s. So yeah, it is a real good news story and by God we need all those good news stories uh, do we not on rural pubs Uh, Patricia what about rural pubs with one staff member only you do have small pubs where one person works there's one person pulling the pints serving changing the kegs stocking the shelves how effectively can that work and half of the day there's no one and then come tea time you could have 20 rushing into the pub I'm not so sure the proposals that you spoke about earlier today I'm not sure that they would be viable in every situation I think one rule for all may not work absolutely absolutely I think the Witness Federation of Ireland would say that as well they're trying to put some proposals together though to try to get the industry back up and running because what I straight away said when I was speaking with Michael O'Donovan you know no music in pubs is one of the things that they they will have to agree to when they initially open up I mean you think of the likes of Debarras, the wonderful Debarras in Clonakilty. How could you have Debarras without live music? I mean, that's what Debarras, their their raison d'etre is the wonderful live music that when you when you go in there. So yeah, one one size is certainly not going to fit all. There's a lot of tweaking to be done on this before any proposals like this. But the Vintners Federation are putting forward these proposals in the hope that the government will allow them to open up earlier than at the moment. It's the tenth of August, and obviously in the tenth of August, people will open. I'm not saying the way we once went to the pub until we've a vaccine, uh, but these are the proposals that the Vintners Federation are saying, look, take a look at this and maybe some of our pubs could open instead and open in June along with the restaurants and the cafes. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. 
Grow Mental Health Recovery. They've developed a six-week course entitled Creating Hope and Staying Positive in COVID-19. The programme contains tips and advice on how to deal with the pandemic over the next few years. You can log on to their website, www.grow.ie, or you can phone their information line on 1850-474-474. And Dunmanway Family Resource Centre have experienced volunteers available to speak with anyone who is experiencing anxiety or any difficulty at this time. You can call them on 023 9956818. And the Darkness into Light fundraising event for Pieta House can't go ahead this year, but they are appealing for people to get involved this weekend. It's a sunrise event on Saturday morning. Please share a sunrise moment at 5.30am using the hashtag DIL2020 and you can donate at darknessintolight.ie or you can visit www.pietahouse.ie to continue support for the work of Pieta House. Court today on C103 with Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. The Chihuahua store is delivering by drone. Order online and leave out a full basin for next day delivery. Radio paints a picture, tells a story, and delivers a message. C103 is here to inform and entertain during this difficult time. Many Cork businesses are still open and need to talk to their customers. We can help. Even with social distancing, we produce and broadcast radio ads safely every day. At C103, it's business as usual. So you can get back to business. Whether it's Chihuahua drone delivery or simple cost-effective advertising solutions, email us today, sales at c103.ie or see our website. No Chihuahuas were hurt in the making of this, produced purely with sound effects and the power of radio. With C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And by the way, we had a text in earlier. Sorry, there's so many texts coming in, but I just want to give a mention to this because this is absolutely shocking. This happened seemingly um, yesterday afternoon on the grounds of Cork University Hospital. Hi, Patricia. I wish to express my anger regarding an observation I made yesterday afternoon on the Cork University Hospital grounds related to an organised protest, organised protest concerning a group of individuals requesting permission to be allowed to enter the hospital in order to visit a relative that they haven't seen in about three weeks. The protest was very well organised in that people had banners made, they had loudspeakers and they were chanting requests that they be given permission to enter the hospital to visit their relative in spite of the fact that these restrictions are in place for all members of the public. In general, people are prepared and willing to comply with these regulations. This was totally unacceptable as patients and staff within the hospital were, were subjected to these unreasonable protests. I'll have to remain anonymous as I work in Cork University Hospital thinking you isn't that unreal I wonder what the guards call it that is just shocking and there are lots of people lots of people who haven't seen loved ones if you think of someone that has a much loved mother or father or a granny or a granddad in a nursing home and nursing homes were the first to lock down they locked down at the start of uh, March so loved you know people haven't seen much loved parents for well over two months and I know it's hard to have a relative in hospital for three weeks but you know these are the rules and the regulations and they're there to protect everyone including that family's 
person, loved one that's in hospital. That is shocking. I wonder what the guards caught. That really is absolutely incredible. 1850-333-103. I want to go back to the issue of bars and could bars reopen sooner? We're told August the the 10th, but the Vintners Federation, along with the Dublin group, the Licensed Licensed Vintners Association, have put together this uh, plan that they feel could work and they're going to to the government to say, look, take a look at this plan. We'll, we'll, We'll put in very strict measures and allow us to open up in June. Uh, Stephen McCormick is with the local bar in Glamworth and he joins me. Good afternoon, Stephen. Hi, Patricia. How are you keeping? I'm, I'm very well. Now, obviously, your bar is closed. You're hearing what the Vintners Federation are saying and you reckon it can't work in all pubs. The situation with the, the bar scene, as everybody knows, is that uh, they're all closed at the moment and uh, they're bringing in these proposals, the Vintners Association, and... Uh, if you really think about it for a second, if you just take the local area like uh, Mitchellstown or even Fermoy for that matter, I suppose 98% of the bars, if not 100% of the bars, will not be able to open under the proposed the proposals that the Fitness Association are bringing. It's not possible. The bars are too small. Yeah. No matter what way you want to look at it, it's not possible. It's not in any way possible to open the bars under those conditions and what's going to happen there's one or two things going to happen bars will close the smaller ones the smaller bars will close and I'm not talking about one or two I'm talking about quite a number of them you know bars around the country just as well as what I do they're too small it's not possible I mean, they're saying no, no sitting, standing or ordering. You have to be, it has to be table service. There can't be any more than, I think it's six at a table and no, no more than four people per every 10 square metres a maximum. Six people allowed at one table. Yes, that's absolutely crazy. And uh, I've spoken with several uh, well-known politicians over this and it has been, it, it will be brought up. I don't expect the government to uh to to carry through with these proposals it appears to me that uh, the Vintners association are being brought under pressure by some of the bigger places like maybe the city bars and uh restaurant bars and stuff like that if that happens what you're going to really have is you're going to have some a lot of small pubs closing you're going to have the bigger pubs doing their business you're going to have the cafes and the bars doing their business which you're entitled to do and they're going to, it's going to be very, very unfair trading and there's going to be hassle down the road. Now, it's not possible, whatever chance they have of August, it's yeah. not possible to carry out what they say. It's it just, there are people listening to me here at the moment and there's people that have bars that are listening here at the moment and they're at home and they're in their bars and they're wondering what to do. And I'm on here telling you, exactly what I think because nobody there's very few people that want to speak out about it and the the harsh reality is that your bar will be closed you will stay closed and one very very important thing to remember here is that the people in the bars that are getting a supplement or the few quid at the moment from the government to keep them ticking over the very minute that you open that bar door that income is gone yeah, the 350, the COVID-19 payment. Yeah. That's gone. And yeah. you'll, you'll never get it back. And, and all of your bills will straight away kick in. All of the bills will it'll, it'll kick in. And uh, on top of that then, and I'm into music myself, and on top of that, no music, no DJ, no parties, 
no after funerals, no nothing. Now, I appreciate the fact that there's a virus out there. We all know that. And we all know there has to be conditions. That, that's appreciated. We know that. But to try and put something through like this is absolutely incredible so, that you even so, come up with the idea. So you're... Uh, to, from what I can, can gather from what you're saying, it's the best thing then, leave it as is in that you open on the 10th of August and you open as normally as you can on the 10th of August. Well... I'd, I'd even go as far as to say that leading up to August, there will. I've been spoken to, like I say, a couple of well-known politicians that I'm friendly with, and they've told me what a good idea. There, there, there will be uh, monitors on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, which they want doing anyway. And if they find towards the middle of August or the end of August or when they're supposed to open up, that it's still not suitable, I think the smaller bars would be quite happy, and all bars should be thinking the same thing. They should be quite happy to leave it until. September, October, November, December, if they have to. I saw, yeah, because I saw an article, it was in the Examiner yesterday, who they were talking with some of the very small rural publicans who reckoned that their bars, they're they're not happy to open their bars until a vaccine is in, until we know everyone is safe. Well, I wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't really say that because... uh, if you just take, for argument's sake, the the parish of of, of, uh, Danworth here at the moment... Mm. The chances are highly likely that we will never see the virus. I'm not saying that we won't. I know, I know. It might sound ludicrous, but it would make an awful lot more sense in August or September or October to actually open your bars for a period of time and only serve locals only. It's an interesting concept. It's an interesting concept. Okay, and it, 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 it's tough going at the moment, um, Stephen, for for everybody in the pub trade. Yes, it is. It, it is tough going, but like I said, we we will see it out. We don't, but we don't need uh, the vintners coming along with these proposals to suit the minority. And it'll suit the larger pubs and the fact that they, the Vintners Federation, it's the, it's also with the Licensed Vintners Association of Dublin, obviously this suits the Dublin pubs because of most course. of the Dublin pubs are the big, are the big super pubs. Okay. Now, well, or, we, must, we must remember here too that uh, the Vintners uh, Association did very, very, if nothing at all, uh, they didn't even speak up on the drink driving law at the time it came out. And uh, they're coming along now and they're doing this, it appears, to suit the people who have got the bigger places and the bigger businesses. And it's totally not acceptable and no way in the wide earthly world. There probably will be protests if I have to get the bars together myself. Okay. All right. Well, that. one size definitely is not going to fit all. I'm going to leave it there, Stephen. Thank you for that. That's uh, Stephen McCormick who joins us from the local bar in uh, Glamworth. Not happy with it. And at the moment, they're just proposals from the Vintners Federation. I mean, we don't know whether the government will even take them on board. But certainly, if they do take them on board, it's going to suit the larger pubs. It's certainly not going to suit suit the smaller ones. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Quickly to some texts. Hi, just to let you know, if anybody wants their dog groomed, I can do it. Says Marion. I'm doing it as a pastime. I'm in the Dramina area. Uh, we'll use social distancing measures, of course. Says Marion, and we have Marion's number. Obviously, that it would have to be within the five k because you're not allowed to travel beyond the five k. But if somebody wants to get their dog groomed. Marion is available. And Georgine in Clonakilty says, is motor tax being given an extra four 
Are you are we being given an extra four months to tax our car? If so, will you have to pay it back after the four months? Jordan, you are not being given an extra four months to tax your car. The four months that you're talking about, there's an extension on your driver's licence if your driver's licence run, runs out. And there's also an extension on your NCT certificate. You can drive around with an out-of-date NCT certificate because obviously they are all closed. But the motor tax office is up and running and working and you can, it's done over the phone. Also, you can do it online. You have to pay your motor tax. You can be stopped by the Gardaí and we're hearing of people being stopped by the Gardaí. There's so many checkpoints. You won't get away with having no motor tax believing that you don't have to tax it because of the pandemic. You do have to have up-to-date motor tax on your car at all at times. And someone else is giving out about people travelling to West Cork from Dublin area. This person believes that it's happening all the time. There are people going down to holiday homes. It hasn't stopped. And somebody says, and we all know TV presenters that just slipped through the checkpoints. Who are the TV presenters? I'm intrigued by that. Who are the TV presenters slipping through the checkpoint and heading to West Cork? Let us know. Okay, we're going to take a break and then we're back answering your gardening questions with Peter after these. Cork Today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Adapting to being at home full-time can be challenging for everyone. Some of us are trying to balance working from home with homeschooling, and some of us are extremely lonely, with the days long and hard to fill. Make a new routine that includes some physical activity, social activity, and some timed breaks. If you've got kids, understand that they might be anxious and fearful about the current situation. Talk to them, acknowledge their fears, and reassure them. You can also build a strong relationship with your child through playing with them. It's also really important to stay connected to family and friends you can it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com with during this time so put your phone to good use stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie this is the Cork Today replay on C103 just a quick couple of texts and somebody said yes I also saw that protest at CUH uh, yesterday I was shocked at the age of the protesters many of them were just in their teens or in their early 20s what planet are those people on hi Trish those people who are protesting at CUH are trying to get access visitor access have no respect for themselves are for you and me says Pat Uh, M says I've got a family member in hospital since January haven't seen them that demonstration yesterday was disgraceful and on publicans not all publicans says a texter are receiving the COVID-19 payment when they're closed if you are pension age over the age of 66 and have a pub then you're not entitled to the money my mother has a bar and we think it's better to stay closed till at least the 10th of August which is the suggestion by the government Uh, more like the middle of September is what we are thinking thank you for that Okay, Peter Dowdell joins me and I can see a lot of questions coming in Good afternoon to you Peter 
Good afternoon, Trish. How are you? I'm very well, and you are very welcome. And I can tell listeners now, you can stop calling and texting because there's so many questions uh, in. Uh, firstly, somebody wants to know, is Peter Dowdell on Instagram? If so, what is his handle, please? Oh, my God. Handles and tags and hashtags and everything. Uh, yes, I am on Instagram. Uh, I, it, it, I, yeah. I'm going to have a look now, but I think it's the Irish Gardener. I think it's the underscore Irish underscore Gardener. But I would have thought if you just uh, Google search Peter Dowd on Instagram, it should come up. Okay, perfect. And you're on Facebook as well, aren't you? Facebook, yes, as the, the Irish Gardener okay. and Twitter, the Irish Gardener. It's okay. all the Irish Gardener is... is the Irish Gardener is who I am online, if you like. Okay. All right, let's get straight into questions. Somebody's plain and simple. My lawn is like a sponge. <laughs> Any help, please? Uh, yeah. Um, somebody rang me during the week as well about that, that they had recently set a new lawn and that the, 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 it was holding water and there had been a lot of machinery and that over it. So I don't know about this, this question, my lawn is like a sponge, but there's a, a couple of things that if there has been heavy machinery driving over it, in other words, if it's a relatively new lawn or a new house, then the soil is compacted and and really, you need to you need to get get in there and break up any soil pans underneath caused by the compaction to improve the drainage. You can do that by adding grit and putting in some some actual land drainage pipe to 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 take the water away. Um, like if it's only spongy on top the the surface, so it's not really puddling as such. It's just a bit spongy on top. Aerating it, some hollow tine aeration can help. Uh, certainly. I would say the autumn would be the best time to do that again. That just removes, Trish, some plugs of soil from the top few inches of the of the lawn. Uh, and that then allows air and in, into the top few inches for, for roots to have more room and it'll, it, it starts to encourage better drainage. You can br- brush some sand or grit into those holes as well to keep them open. Uh, and then also, of course, moss and thatch, which is a buildup of dead and, and decaying tissue around the soil surface, um, that can also lead to very poor conditions. It's kind of everything's connected because the, the the poor drainage and the holding of the water leads to conditions that moss and thatch loves, but also the development of moss and thatch worsens the conditions, if you know what I mean. So it becomes self-perpetuating. So lawns, I'm always saying this, lawns are the highest maintenance element of any garden, always, because they do need a lot of work to get them right. So it, it, it all depends on without spending the whole program talking about a spongy lawn, it all depends on what's causing it. So if it's compaction, that you need to that. If it's just a bit of surface sponginess, then look at aerating it using a hollow tine aerator and scarifying it, and then using the lawn gold to, to maintain optimum conditions for the grass so that moss that doesn't get a hold again. Okay, Pat wants to know, Hi Peter, would there be any reason for my hydrangea and why it hasn't come on this year? I said two last year, one is doing well and the other is not. Is not. Also, how do I go about transferring a three foot high palm tree into a larger container? Do I need gravel and stones in the base of the container? I've tried this before, but it wasn't a success. But if you're moving a plant to palm tree or any plant from one container to another, you could do that now because there should be little or none really in terms of root disturbance. You shouldn't really be disturbing any of the roots. So you can do that at any time of the year. If you were taking it out of the ground now, it would be a different story, uh, Trish. You'd be taking it out of the ground any time between November and January. But from one pot into another, you could do it now. I'm not too concerned about in a situation like this now where you have a a three-foot-high conifer and it's, it's obviously quite an established plant, uh, and you want to move it into a pot. I'm not too concerned about uh, stones and, and gravel down at the base of the plant. 
uh, I'd be more concerned about filling the whole or the entirety of the new pot with good soil because that plant is going to need all the soil it can get. It's not going to be too worried about good drainage. Um, it'll obviously, sorry, let me rephrase that. It will obviously need good drainage, but that will be provided just by the drainage holes in the pot. Uh, you 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 don't need to put in broken crockery and rocks like you would if it was bedding plants because the, the conifer, the palm, is going to suck up all the water that it can get. Provided excess water can drain away through a drainage hole, that's enough, and then fill it with a good um, a good quality soil or compost. Then looking at the hydrangeas, there isn't really any, well, obviously there is a reason why it's not coming on, but I don't know what it is in the hydrangeas. If you planted two of them last autumn and one of them is coming and one of them isn't, uh, it does sound like bad news. Obviously, without seeing it, I couldn't say for certain. Um, but you would absolutely expect it to be in full leaf at the moment. My own outside, many of them are in full bud as well as in full leaf. So, yeah, you, you should you should expect them to be... If, if one of them isn't thriving by now, then it's probably... It hasn't survived, I'm afraid. OK, Marie has two skimmias, male and female, far too big for the shrub bed they are in. Will I cut them back even at the cost of losing the flowers and the berries for this year, wonders Marie? That's a question for Marie to answer because she knows what, she knows the risk, if you like. Uh, so, the, the, yes, you can cut them back, no problem, and you can cut them back now. But as she knows herself, yes, you will then sacrifice the flowers and berries Um but you won't do long-term harm to the, the plant if that's what she's worried about, if that's what Marie's wondering about. No, you won't do any long-term harm to the plant by pruning it now, but you will just lose out in flowers and berries. Just be careful when you're pruning it back, make sure it's they're evergreen plants to skimmia, so make sure you're leaving some foliage on below the cut. You may not be able to cut them back as hard as you want right now because you could be cutting into woody growth, but if you do it gradually over a couple of years, you'll get there. Okay, and Beth says, Hi, Peter. I've been meaning to ask this question for years. I have a 10 year old goji berry plant. Uh, It was very expensive at the time. Now, it looks healthy, but never had a berry on it. It's in a sunny spot. Please help. Do you know what? That's something I'm going to come back to because uh, I'm not an expert on growing goji berries. Do you know why? Because I don't really like them. I know they're I know they're super fruits and I know they're <laughs> supposed to be very, very good for us. But I'm a believer in growing what we like. Now, all I will say is I did plant one uh, in, a, in a garden. Uh, I'm going back maybe 10 years ago and it was thriving. It, it really thrived. It was when I was back in Dunsand uh, up in the wall garden there and it was thriving. But it, like that, it never produced fruits. So... I must, you know, I'm going to have to defer and come back. Um, I don't think it's a situation where you need one to cross-pollinate it. In fact, I'm 99% certain you don't. Um, But I'm going to do my homework on nutrition. Come back next week for that one. Okay, thank you for that. Um, Okay, I have some roses growing. I sprayed them last year, but they still got black spots and the flowers didn't last very long. Uh, What should I be doing to try to get better blooms this year? Okay, well, roses can be, I'm a huge fan of roses, as you know, Trish, but some roses can be difficult. So when it comes to the main problems that tend to affect roses, which is why you would spray them, uh, are things like black spot, botrytis, powdery mildew, um, and, and bud rot, right? But these are these are all fungal infections, uh, and prevention is always better than cure when it comes to fungal infections. So my kind of go-to uh, weapon in the arson on this one is copper sulfate and I would spray all my roses around this time of the year kind of during April uh, with the solution of copper sulfate and water because what that is it's a broad spectrum organic fungicide which helps to prevent the roses getting these infections because it's much easier to prevent them as I say than it is to fix them when they get it 
drench them during April or even now with the solution of copper sulfate and water. And then really, provided you're pruning them well and allowing good air circulation around and through the plant, then you, you're, you're creating conditions which fungal infections will find it difficult to, to get a hold in. I have to say, if if in my if it's the way I do my gardening, if the roses then continue to be troublesome and continue to get me uh, uh, continue to get black spot and things with this, I actually am a bit brutal. I take them out and remove them. There are so many thousands of rose varieties available to grow in your garden. I don't persevere with ones that are difficult. Uh, I give them a couple of years. If they don't work, I take them out. Because you know what, Trish? Life is too short to be worried about black spot. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I put it on once a year. If, if my rose doesn't come on, I, I just go for a different rose. I know that's a bit of a cop out of an answer, but life is too short. Okay. We leave it there, Peter. Thank you for that. Have a lovely week. And you enjoy the rest of the lockdown, Trish. Uh, thanks a million, Peter Dowdell uh, of the, uh, the IrishGardener.com. He will join us again next week. And our apologies, we got through a fraction of the questions. Just these slots are so much busier uh, because of lockdown. And in Ballancolig, and apologies, Anne, because I know you sent this message in yesterday as well. A drone landed in her garden a few days ago and she, she's asked around. None of the neighbours own it. Uh, she said, if anybody's missing a drone and it went missing in the Ballancolig area, we have Anne's contact details because she would like to return it to its owner, please. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Sadie and to John Paul for taking your calls. We are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. On to the line, Patricia Messenger. Have a nice afternoon and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.